Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series. I'm Shivani Sate and I'm your host. Today is the Bermuda Business Review for 2023 and the outlook for 2024. So a nice roundup of what we've seen going through the year. My guests are very excited to be um, joining, uh, joined by and welcoming uh, Jonathan Kent, corporate writer. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you, Shivani. And Pleasure Na- to be here. Thank you. And Nathan Kowalski, CFO for Anchor Investments. Welcome, Nathan. Thanks for having me as well. So lots to discuss today. We know that the business outlook just came out yesterday in the paper. Uh, so I know, Jonathan, you can be very well versed with that. But I'm going to kick off on different topics. So let's start with the banking crisis. As we know, 2023 did kick off with a huge banking crisis from banks closing, banks being bought over in both Europe and the US. Could you, either of you, talk me through this, the effects on Bermuda, the interest rates, inflation, and what's the update? What's happening in the banking world? In Bermuda, I think we had a heck of a shock a few years ago. Um, and Butterfield, of course, needed government help and some outside help from investors uh, to to see it through, to survive. And I think a lot was learned from that. And certainly since then, lending standards have, have gone up and perhaps investing standards have become more conservative. And so I think, though it is, it is worth keeping an eye on non-performing loans okay. in Bermuda, because at the moment they're about 5.3% of total loans are about, you know, I think non-performing means 90 days uh, past due. Right. So, is it, uh, so that's something to keep an eye on for the coming year because th- the rise in interest rates that we've seen has been quite shocking. It has. Uh, for, <laughs> I mean, uh, I looked up uh, bank base rate from early 2002, one of our local banks, it, it's gone up since then by 300 basis points, right. three, four percentage points. Now, if you've got a $500,000 mortgage, that's going to cost you an extra 15000 a year yeah. in interest payments or $1,250 a month. I mean, that's a big hit for, for most people. And, and so, so as people struggle with that, I think, and they will struggle, I'm, I'm sure, go on struggling until those rates start to come down. It's something to really watch, the, the quality of the bank's loan books. Thank yeah, th- you. There's definitely a delayed effect on those interest rates. I think that will trickle through the economy in Bermuda um, as they reset. You, as you know, we don't have this system in the U.S. like where you have a 30-year locked-in rate. I would assume that those start to trickle through in the next couple of years if rates stay elevated where they are. The nice thing about this, or not the nice thing, but the fortunate thing about this banking crisis in the U.S. is it was really just a liquidity event, not a credit d- issue. Um, It was just a mismatch between liabilities and um, the duration on the asset book of the banks. But um, we're not really seeing that deposit flight, so to speak, that they did see in some of these select banks of the U.S. and Bermuda were much more stable jurisdiction in that regard. So less of an issue, uh, I think, in terms of that. Okay. And with the statistics, I know we always have this chat, Nathan, with Mm. regards to interest rates and inflation. 
Are yeah. we fair for where we're at at the moment? I'm, we always say we're lagged behind the U.S. We are, yeah. So I think, you know, when we look out in terms of interest rates and we kind of look at what the U.S., what we think the U.S. is going to do next year, we do think that 2024, they'll start to drop rates. I think inflation, okay. like which is part of this, which we can touch on, inflation does continue to come down and moderate, and it's getting closer to that 2% kind of bogey level that the Fed focuses on. And so we would anticipate rates to to fall throughout 2024, which should bring some relief. Now, okay. how fast that gets translated into Bermuda, I mean, that's <laughs> another story. We know that rates go up. Uh, how fast they come down, that's a different story. We'll have to see how the banking industry does do that. But if you, know, if you have a drop of, say, 1% in the Fed funds rate, that should hopefully translate into lower rates in Bermuda and maybe help to offset that rate pressure that, as we talked about, for the resets for the mortgages. Yes. No, that would be amazing because I think we're all waiting for a bit of a relief from that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back and touch upon that for the future in terms of interest rates and inflation. But let's have a look at real estate. Oh, um, yeah. I know. Oh, exactly. Yeah, this, one, yeah. this one might take us some time. Yeah. So recent ups- updates provided by Coldwell Banker Realty. There was a podcast last month. They clearly indicate a continued de- decline in inventory for both sales and rentals. Uh, Time is off the essence as the vicious cycle continues and we struggle to retain both local and expatriate residents. I mean, there's a whole pile of information in just that one sentence. So let's break it down with where do we stand today in terms of real estate? It looks awful. I think this is probably the quintessential element of Bermuda right now. It it touches on a lot of things we're trying to do. and I think we have a bit of a housing crisis. I'll say it. I mean, I, I think someone, yeah, I think someone <laughs> needs to kind of bring that out here. Um, okay. I mean, Caldwell kind of touched, touched Caldwell t- touched touched on it a lot. If you look at the inventory levels, they are very, very low. I mean, pulling property skipper data that I've managed to look at or get a hold of, we're pretty much at maybe less than six yes. percent of the inventory we had in mm-hmm. 2018. I guess is probably when we kind of peaked more recently. And so there's just nothing out there. I mean, this is the, the scary, you're getting, um, you know, lineups for rentals on a two to three bedroom place. There's just less places for people to go. So that getting that piece of the rock, you know, there's less pieces. You look at even developments. Um, you look at riddles. I think there's one lot left. That's right. Uh, what is the one on top White of the hill? White, White Crest, Crest sorry. Hill. Yeah, White Crest Hill. That one, there's the handful of units or lots left. So it's just a, it's a really big supply issue that we need to tackle, right? Especially if we're talking about population growth. Okay. Um, it's, it's just something we got to really look into. And so I got some ideas for that. But I was, I was going to say, we yeah. keep, we keep talking about it, but what, yeah. what do you suggest could be done to well, aid it? I think we've started along this road and I think we're really seriously looking at it. Like the EEZ extension the mm-hmm. government has done to other parts of Hamilton. I just think that the, the way to do this is to grow Hamilton. So we really need to grow Ham- Hamilton as a livable, breathable, big city with bigger high rises, right? Okay. And I think we need to have a concerted effort to incentivize residential real estate that way within the city. I don't think we have a ton of excess space around the island. I really think we got to push that in terms of whether it's luxury loft rentals or or even kind of middle income uh, apartment buildings, I think we need to kind of push along that way so that there is some space um, or and opportunity for either expats or Bermudians to, to find a place on the on the island. Okay, it's huge. And and Jonathan, what's been your take up from from everything you've heard from the ground? 
Well, for what the realtors were, were telling us, I mean, we spoke with Ben Rigo, and um, he was giving us some anecdotes to describe how shocking the market is at the moment. I mean, he, he talked about a $500,000 house that came up that uh, needed a bit of work. And he said there was, there was literally a queue of people on the first day. It right. went up outside. Contractors, people looking for a home. Right. Uh, $3.5 million house had 10 viewings in a week. A $5 million house sold within a week. He said all these things are highly unusual. And he said anybody putting in a bid below the asking price is just wasting their time. Yeah, uh, really bidding good. wars are breaking out. Yeah. And it's... Part of, that, part of that, I don't know if you mentioned this, but um, I think part of that is people are realizing it's actually cheaper to buy than build. Yes. So the, we've seen this massive inflationary push in construction costs in general. Um, and so I think the housing market, ironically, some of these prices hasn't, haven't quite got there. So I think it's still still much cheaper to, to buy than build. I don't know if you've mentioned that. But, but, sh- but should our inflation numbers come down, as we hope they to be they should have an effect on the price of constructing uh, they should uh, here's the thing about inflation though okay well a couple things as you guys know i'm not a huge fan of the statistics and we, we talked yes. about this we've got some issues with some of the, the components and i wish you know something could be done about that but i don't see that happening anytime soon but the um the th- funny thing about inflation is yes the rates are moderating okay so i have people you know I get this comment on the street once in a while. Some people stop me and say, you know, what's up with the economy? They try to corner me on a bunch of stuff. But that $20 salad that you have now, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to go back down to $14, right? So inflation levels moderate, but the prices just go up at a slower rate. Okay. So I think people are kind of confusing inflation with like deflation. And there's this assumption that prices go up, but they come back down. And that's kind of not what they do over long periods of time, right? The frustrating thing for people right now in the inflation context is we've got about 10 years of inflation in two. And yes. so I get that. That's very frustrating. It's, it's, it's excessive in terms of the price rises in such a short period of time. And compensation is having a hard time kept keeping up with that, right? Because it's not kind of rising at the same levels, no. right? So that's what's frustrating people right now. No, thank you. That was a good a good description, actually, for anybody who does yeah. assume that if inflation comes down, everything else will become suddenly affordable, yeah. possibly, or rather, not really. Not really. I, I mean, so unless we have an outright deflation. And the reason why you have that is there's usually something bad that has happened. A problem coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we ended up back onto inflation. So I'll just guide us back into real estate again. So if we look at why there's a lack of housing, it's, again, a common topic, something we talk about. The things I've really looked at, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, we obviously have lots of Airbnbs that weren't there before. As you said, 2018, yeah. there was higher inventory. Yeah. Um, I have also heard that digital nomads have about 400 houses, which is, again, something that we didn't have before. So yeah. 400 houses is a lot of houses. That's right. Yeah, yeah, 400 um, units. And I, th- I think there's like, how uh, it's, a, it's a combination of things. I think a lot of people line up want to like nail it down to one thing and I don't think okay. that's the case it's a it's a, a confluence of a bunch of factors that have all happened at the same time so one of the other things is just household formation right uh I was staying with mom and dad in COVID and I don't want to stay with I realized I don't really want to stay with mom and dad <laughs> anymore so part of this is just natural household formation that's kind of happened in Bermuda okay. which is not unlike what happened in North America for example that was sure. actually a big push 
people like that's part of the reason the housing market boomed throughout through COVID and at the end is you had that. So it's it's kind of a combination of that as well, right? Okay. Yeah, I agree. It is a, definitely a combination from from what I've heard. Uh, some people have properties, but they can't afford to renovate them to make them fit to become a rental unit on the market. Uh, another reason I heard was uh, when an, a non-Bermudian buys a house with an apartment, the rules uh, require them to, to incorporate it into the dwelling, a single okay. dwelling. So they effectively take that unit off the market. Oh, okay, uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. How many how many uh, units that that you know affects? I don't know, but still, it seems counterproductive in this environment. It's right. something which could be easily fixed. One would think. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Jonathan's study on the housing market because we need to uh, we need to get down to the the, the numbers there. Someone's got to kind of scrub them all from um, even what could be happening in uh, rent control. In terms mm-hmm. of some people finding that the price they're able to rent is not enough to go through the problem and they're shutting it down. So there is a whole bunch of different issues out there. Um, okay. but we yeah, kind of yeah. need to kind of figure out where those bottlenecks are so we can build a housing plan. Right? I mean, it's really ac- across the board is yeah. what we heard, you know, even if you uh, at all levels of, of the market. So it's it's a social issue as well as uh, Absolutely. a yeah. business issue. You know, it's... Um, there are 120 people, 120 families on the, the BHC waiting list, 650 people homeless, according to the charity Home. Right. Yeah. Uh, th- that's a big issue. And, and at the other end of the scale, you have companies trying to bring in executives uh, with their families and they can't find a family home. Yeah. Now, what, do, what does the company do then? What, what happens? It, it's well, you either bring the individual along in oh. terms of some sort of Airbnb or they just don't come. I, I was just going to say they just, they don't, just come. don't come. I've, I've heard a couple of stories yeah. where they come down and walked around and said, no, thank you. We'll just stay in London. Yes. Unfortunately, okay. that's kind of where we're going to in that, that state. So, yeah, it's going to be tough to have this goal of growing the population when <laughs> there's no place for them to go. So. Um, so, you know, let's just have a little touch on construction then, a bit of an update on construction perhaps from you. Jonathan, as you said, as we all know, people are either looking to buy land if they can afford to do it or they still have to make some renovations because, as we know, there are many derelict properties that are in need of, of urgent touch-up. So what's happening in the construction world? Well, the construction folks seem pretty busy from what I can tell and they're, they're also full of ideas in how to, to tackle this, uh, this housing crisis. I mean, we, we spoke with Sir John Swan, who, of course, built the Atlantis development, yes. which to some is, uh, you know, like a model of what we can do now. Seven story residential building, high quality apartments that, that uh, could attract young professionals. That it, it could be part of the solution to this if you get enough investors and developers on board with the confidence that these places will be filled at decent rents and the market would seem to support that at the moment but I think uh, one of the things I'd like to see is a bit more uh, vigour in, in approaching this issue Okay. I mean in terms of raising the working population the, the, the government's declared this as a name but there doesn't seem to be quite enough impetus in the follow up actions now there's a lot that needs to happen for in a short space of time, <laughs> exactly. I think <laughs> exactly was it number eight thousand that they were trying to yes, bring in. Yeah. That's right, within five years. And of yeah, course, the yeah. government can't create the jobs yeah. uh, or the places 
for people to live. It needs people to buy into it. Uh, and I think there needs to be more sort of coordinated, vigorous effort to, to address this, more proactivity. Okay. Uh, I think everybody wins if we solve this problem. Absolutely. You know, people get busy, the economy grows, we're able to pay our bills as far as welfare in the future goes. And, and, and so I, I see every reason why we should have a more collaborative effort involved. There's a lot of smart people in Bermuda with ideas. And um, I just think the whole thing could be more transparent and Okay, and maybe transparency is the key. You'd get more hands involved. Sunlight disinfects, <laughs> yes. Um, so, so uh, <laughs> thanks, Nathan. So, so, if we just expand that discussion on retaining and bringing more talent to the island, as we just said, um, it's circa eight thousand to bring that new population. So, aside from real estate, which obviously I'm not saying by any means it is the fundamental issue, we need more housing to keep these people, but also retaining and bringing more talent. Bermuda is surely still an attractive jurisdiction to be in. Uh, what what else could be done aside from housing? Do you feel to attract more talent to the island? Um, well, I'll just let's just touch on the population thing again because it kind of frustrates a little bit of what's going on, right? So, if you look at and this is kind of a, a big shift that's happened since about two thousand and eighteen, maybe even earlier, the deaths in Bermuda unfortunately are, are much higher than the births. So we're actually at the tipping point now where we're, we really literally are shrinking um, mm-hmm. hardcore basically at this point. So it is a serious problem from the population perspective. So, okay. yes, we got to win that war on talent and bring them here. I think, we, I think we've touched on this so many times, though, in terms of, you know, what's right on immigration and places to, to live and everything like that. Um, I'm not sure that there's any – I don't have any new ideas, unfortunately. I'm just going to be honest. I think we've all kind of touched on that. We, yeah. we just really need to kind of promote our industries and win in those industries. And we do have some yeah, – like our insurance, reinsurance market is fantastic. It's growing. IB is doing fantastic, I think, um, and expanding. It's expanding to the point where it's becoming an even bigger and bigger yes. chunk of this economy, uh, more so something like close to 40% of employment income now up from 20 uh, years ago. So – it's it's done. It's becoming a huger piece of our business and poses a risk from a diversity perspective. Mm-hmm. But it is our source of growth. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the whole um, importation of, of talent, which is what will be required, I'm, I'm sure, uh, is is very politically sensitive, as we're all aware. And you know that. Let's be blunt about it. The the boogeyman is. You're opening the floodgates, a whole load of foreigners are going to come in. That's what people fear. Right. So uh, I think transparency would help to tackle that uh, concept, you know, that, that idea, perception. Uh, and this is where a conversation between government and the industries would help to, to actually map out in more detail who these 8,000 workers are. Right. You know, how many nurses do we need? How many uh, construction workers, masons, uh, hotel workers are we going to need over the next five years? Talk with the industries and get, even if they're rough estimates, at least then you can give people a picture of of what the plan is uh, and set immigration levels as you wish, as the government wish. And then you get to the issue of, well, where are they going to live? So are the hotels going to be responsible for providing some accommodation on site 
for their for their workers. Okay. Um, are international business going to be asked to uh, club together and invest in high-rise apartments in Hamilton? No, I think you're right. There's certainly a lot of people that are wanting to know 8,000 from where, which sector, which industry, which... Mm. So I think, again, it comes back down to the transparency of if we all understood that, we could all work together as a community to push that forward. Exactly. The more transparency, the less fear. Yes, 100%. Um, so international business, Nathan, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. is a growing sector, so I won't even ask growth or decline, but, but maybe we could talk a bit about which sectors you feel, either of you actually, um, feel that are growing the most for international business. Yeah, I think, well, I think it's all of them right now. I think there's a little P&C growth. There's life for sure. Life market is still mm-hmm. growing. Uh, new startups there. Um, I think you recently had the cyber guys on. I think cyber is becoming a growing chunk of this market. It is. Um, And so that's expanding. The ILS alternative capital market is expanding as well, um, hitting records in terms of issuances. Um, So I I think it's across the board in IB that's doing extremely well um, overall. And I think actually 2024 is going to be good for them too. Um, I foresee pricing and everything being pretty stable, if not solid for, for the year again on renewals. So I'm pretty positive on the whole sector rolling forward. It's going to still be a source of growth, I think. Okay. Jonathan, what's the word on the street? Well, (laughs) Bermuda's value to the world has never been greater. Okay. Uh, I I mean, the emerging risks that keep keep proliferating, uh, climate risk, cyber risk, geopolitical risk, Mm -hmm. cyber, you know, mortgage risk, pension risk, all these protection gaps that Bermuda can help fill. Right. We have the expertise, we have the track record in paying claims and deploying capital quickly. Uh, I think it's in a, a really exciting place, Okay. Uh, insurance so industry. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. It's going to be big. So now I'm going to move over to global minimum tax oh. because that obviously is where Bermuda could get more money from and it will in es- essentially be more of the IB sector that would be paying that. So... You know, what does it mean for Bermuda? 2025 is we're literally 12 months away from when this should be. We're on the countdown. Um, so, you know, what do you think it means for Bermuda? Do you think we're going to we're going to go ahead and will it detract companies from coming here? Will it stop companies from wanting to set up, cause them to move out? Well, from from what I've heard, uh, the desire is basically for for employers the big, big international businesses who actually employ people and have uh, economic substance here, that they want to stay. That okay. is, and that's the important thing for Bermuda, and that is the thing that Bermuda must get right with the whole approach to this corporate income tax. And from what I can see, and, and the feedback I've heard from people involved in the discussions, uh, the, this, the, the approach has been very uh, positive you know, and collaborative. And it, it's a classic example of how uh, Bermuda at its best, I think. Okay. You know, you, you get industry and government talking together to work out a solution that works for everyone as close okay. as, as you can possibly get. No, thank you. And then, yeah. Nathan, a question for you then, yeah. putting you on the hot spot here. So <laughs> I agree like, with what Jonathan says, by the way. I've heard the same thing. You don't want me to you want me to read it read it that? No, 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 no. no. Okay. It's a whole different question. Oh, just. okay, okay. Um so you know, obviously what it would mean for Bermuda, it would mean more money. What yes. could 
the yeah. economy do with that? What could Bermuda oh, do? Oh yeah, with so what, what would I would like to see? Okay, well, I didn't well, quite part say of, you. Well, okay, well, <laughs> no, but yes, yeah, right. yeah. Um, first of all, yes, I, I I know a lot of people on the tax that cut tax commission. Great group of people. Again, okay. we have a fantastic setup there. I'm hearing the same things Jonathan's saying. A lot of people would prefer to pay it here than another place because you can't really get a, away from it. But okay, um, yeah. So it, what is that surplus? What is that number? You know, you hear it bandied about about a hundred hundreds of millions more it could be a significant amount from what i understand there are some costs there are some costs right there's going to be which i think the administration is probably not too significant to be honest in terms of the overall cost but i think we're trying to work on some tax credits to kind of even out and lower the overall tax burden a bit and where that gets shifted i mean there's some great scope there to actually shift that so it becomes really attractive to get bums and seats, mm-hmm. right? You, you want to bring in more bodies. We just kind of talked about this, but we want more bodies here. We want more of those professionals and everyone here in okay. Bermuda rather than away and make it attractive and lower the cost of doing business. So we have some options there to offset about uh, a bunch of this. And then when we're done all that and we have maybe this little bit of extra money, I'm not quite sure what that value is. I know they've been <laughs> modeling this. It's very difficult and there's going to be periods where you, you have losses and there's their carry forwards and it, all these complexities, right? I don't, you could have a whole show on taxes sure. and probably all fall asleep, but it, <laughs> it, it, there'd be a lot to cover. Um, but, you know, what would you do with it? Well, I think the government, if it was me, I would like to see some guardrails around a little bit of a surplus. I'd like to put Bermuda in a stronger position. So let's say we have X another dollars in surplus. Half of that has to go towards the debt. Okay. So let's kind of make a kind of implicit agreement that if we do have a, some kind of windfall or, or amount, have a stability fund or something, but also be paying down um, the debt level in Bermuda, and funding those untitled entitlements like uh, the pension fund, which is $4.7 billion underfunded right now. These are big numbers, right? And if we're not going to go through pension reform of any short, which I think we are, we're going to have to, but that's a separate subject. Um, you know, you're funding that. You're funding that. Maybe look at the health care. Okay. I mean, that stuff's coming out. So, like, let's earmark this stuff in advance so it, it doesn't become a, I hate to say it, a random slush fund that gets used right. for pr- special projects, right? So, again, yeah. it yeah. needs that. You need to be The transparency well. yes. of that, around that, and, and kind of upfront say that and have some guardrails. Do I think that can be legislated? Uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but it would be nice to see something like that where, you know, a big chunk of this has to go to put Bermuda in a stable, strong position. And part of that would be lowering our, our fiscal deficit. Absolutely. And again, the healthcare and the long-term care could be fantastic. So a type of national health service. There are so many things that Bermuda needs right now to help people. Yes. And if, if that part of those tax revenues, again, lowers the cost of doing business surrounding healthcare and stuff, then yeah, of course, that's what you want, right? You want to have encourage that job growth. Okay, thank you. And any risk, any update on climate risk? We're still looking to be the climate risk capital of the world. It's it's a very important topic. What do you have for us, Jonathan? Well, it's uh, it, it's still there. You know, it's okay. It's <laughs> it's not going anywhere. And um, I, I know if you look at the numbers of insured catastrophe losses mm-hmm. over the past uh, six years, five of the past six years, it, it's exceeded a hundred billion dollars. This used to be quite an unusual thing, but now it's becoming the norm. Okay. So, you know, Bermuda is so well placed to deal with this because, you know, it's the roots of its property casualty reinsurance industry. Uh, as in the, the aftermath of Hurricane Andrew in 1992, 
and uh, ever since then they've done it repeatedly whenever there's been a hurricane new rush of companies influx of talent and it, building their expertise with each wave and and uh, there's nowhere in the world that can it is better i think uh, as a natural place for managing climate risk okay well, thank you yeah, the, well, the only thing I'd add is a lot of the climate risk finance that they talk about is done by NGOs and the government right now. And I think the, the hope is that does shift more and more to the private sector. And I get it. And okay. I think that's an opportunity for Bermuda. Um, in the paper today, we just had an announcement. I think it's Eurobicio or Bicio Fund. It is a new private uh, fund that's being set up that's trying to earmark about $100 bucks towards, um, you know, funding these green projects. Okay. Um, how much the private sector gets involved, I'll kind of wait and see. But I do agree with Jonathan that we have the talent here around a lot of aspects of that uh, in Bermuda. Okay, no, brilliant. And cyber risk, you know, a, a very real threat. The BMA has even uh, has even put in a regulation that every company should have a CISO, a Chief Invest Information Systems Officer. Yes, Security Officer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Security Officer, sorry, yeah. thank you. Um, so what, what, do you, what are your feelings on cyber risk? What's happening out there in the world? Are the companies, obviously, they are taking it very seriously. What are they putting in place to help them more? Well, I, I think it's um, th- there's a huge protection gap in cyber risk. I read the other day that uh, I think it was the Global Federation of Insurance Associations who said that the, the cyber risk protection gap was a multiple of the climate risk protection gap. Okay. Which uh, tells you that the, the scale of the risk and the the size of the opportunity as well. And uh, I think for, for insurers, they're, they're looking at it a bit differently to a normal business line where they, um, you know, if something happens, they pay your claim. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more than that. There's a kind of full service approach mm-hmm. where they help you with your, your security and um, dealing with an event as it happens, such as a, a ransomware attack. Yes. You know, what do I do now? that they, they're sort of working with experts in these areas to offer a, a broader service. So I think there's a huge opportunity there for, but, but, but as far as local businesses are concerned, you know, I, I think this is a risk for all businesses, businesses of all sizes, and, and the um, incidents seem to be rising in, in occurrence all the time. Okay. It's not going away. I thought we were going to talk about the government cyber attack, um, no, we don't <laughs> want to talk, touch on that one, right? It's funny. I, I think what we learned from that is paper is great. Pa- paper-based processes are great. Underrated. I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah underrated. <laughs> That's a security measure. Don't get us shut down yeah, too soon, Nathan. No, I know. But no, yeah, I, I agree with Jonathan. I don't have much to add there. I think it's a growing market. It's uh, it's unfortunately not going to be a shrinking market because um, no. these events are happening more and more. Bermuda has a role to play from the reinsurance insurance side. Um, and it is a growing market. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's something everyone's going to have to be concerned about uh, for the next okay. who knows how long. Yeah. Well, my final topic on the review before we look to the outlook really is the Bermuda's Economic Development Strategy. This is a huge 63-page document, exceptionally well put together. It does go into a lot of detail of what the government is, is hoping and wanting to implement. Um, what are your thoughts on this? It's a very generic, open question there, so feel free to take a stab at anything. Well, well, my thoughts are that there are a few things in there that, that perhaps um, may, maybe don't belong there because they're, they're okay. what government should be doing anyway. 
Right. So to describe them in that way, it, it probably is a, a quite cheeky rebranding of, of what okay. they should be doing anyway. Which and ones I, would those be, Jonathan? I'm thinking about uh, housing, you know, okay. um, um, uh, uh, providing affordable housing. And also the, the health care uh, issue where they talk about um, buying things uh, more cheaply, negotiating better. Um, okay. The vertical farming thing is kind of easier to understand. Okay, so that's one of the things that's in the plan. Um, but if it was so good, why hasn't the private sector done it? I mean, I have more questions than answers here. I know that private companies and private individuals have looked into it. They've run the math. It doesn't work. We have a great farming community in Bermuda. If they thought it was awesome and they can make a ton of money, they would have probably done it at scale at this point. Okay. Um, so I just, I think there's certain ideas in there and certain fa- factions of the fractions of the economy that I just don't think is, isn't it really in the government remit to do? Um, I think the private sector does a fantastic job at doing that. The government just has to assist them in uh, making the playing field really easy and effective. Okay. Thank you for your opinion on that. Um, so we, the only sector that we haven't talked about is the retail sector, so the retail sector being the second largest employment sector in the economy. Is there an update on the retail sector? I know we don't always want to keep talking about grim circumstances. Are there some positives you can draw from the retail sector at all for us, Jonathan? Well, I mean, you look at the retail sales figures. They, they've gone down for, I think, 12 consecutive months. Okay. And, and actually, the dollar amount of what people are spending it has gone up in each of those months. But the amount they bought with it, the volume, has, has gone down. Yes. Which tells a story of you know, reduced purchasing power and, and the struggles people are having. Mm-hmm. And for, for retailers, it's, it's, a, it's a tough world right now. Obviously, people are more used to buying things online, getting things delivered from overseas. And that's, that's a trend which... Uh, continues to gather momentum i think i mean maybe some some local businesses i think have done better at delivering what the customer really wants and and knowing their their customers well um and i think you look at at companies like tabs and atelier um uh, where my wife likes to shop and so i know a lot about that but <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> let me, let me help you out there. Well. I suppose, it, it, in my humble opinion, for what it's worth, you know, we, we are looking to expand Bermuda in terms of population. We're looking to make us the climate risk capital of the world. We have an enormous amount of conferences that are held here. We would like new talent on the island, retaining that island. But a big piece of that is really, well, what have you got on offer? Because it's not just about where am I going to play golf? As you yeah. just said, your wife likes to shop in the tellery. Yeah. People do like to shop. And there was a time in Bermuda where luxury was heightened uh, people came here, we don't pay the sales tax, it was attractive. So that meant that there were more people even visiting the island if we talk in terms of tourism. So so in, in my opinion, retail still has a very huge part to play and we do need it to, to be growing, not really declining. Uh, I agree, it's got huge yeah. value. I mean, uh, as part of our tourism product, for example, yeah. what, what would it be like if people got off cruise ships and Right. There was nothing there. You know. no, no entertainment or restaurants. I mean, that's all part of the package, right? Yeah, I, I agree. It, I mean, it is tough. We're in a, There's these structural issues that, I mean, it's not just Bermuda, it's internationally. The online thing is so big. Um, it's driving that arbitrage, right? 
we talk about transparency, but part of the transparency issue is if I look up online and it's five bucks at Amazon and 15 bucks here, and I can factor in the shipping and everything else, that's unfortunate math some people are doing. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we should, as consumers, make a concerted effort to, to buy and shop locally to okay. support that industry. Because yes. to your point, we don't want to have a shuttered industry in Bermuda and not have those options available. And it creates a dynamic environment for us, and, and it's important. And again, it's yeah. an attractive piece to absolutely. have people staying on the island. They do like to go shopping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So if we look to the outlook now for 2024, this big question here, do we accept we are in a recession? That's what I have down on my sheet as a question for both of you. So No. Okay. Jonathan? No, not to Brilliant. my understanding <laughs> of it. Um, you know, are we, we talked about inflation earlier as Jonathan, as Nathan said, you know, we're hoping that it com- comes down a basis point, maybe, yeah. or a but fraction it, of it. It should come down. Again, it's the rate of change that's going to slow on the margin, which is, you know, should help a little bit. Again, the rapid increase has been the frustration, right? A short period of time. Right. Yeah. I think from the from people that I've spoken to, they, they keep feeling that 2024 will tell us, will be an indicator as to whether we're heading into a recession or not. And I found that quite intriguing as I thought through that and I just wonder why why would that be the case why are people thinking of it so in terms of can we deteriorate further surely we we, we'd hope we'd stabilized yeah I think some there's weird very weird things that have happened with COVID right it really kind of messed up all eco models that Mm -hmm. you typically would look at in terms of the disruption and the snapback and supply and a bunch of issues Um, and I think that's still happening I think in terms of Bermuda we kind of have this natural continued progression, like the, the continued return of tourism, only up to a certain level, though, because we're basically kind of stuck at 70%, 80%-ish because of hotel and airlift. But, you know, we, sh- we should see a continued progression in tourism. I also think, again, IB is firing in all cylinders. So I think t- those two big parts of the economy kind of pull us along. I mean, and there's a lot of trickle effects from that, right? Okay. Um, if bonuses are really good this year, there might be a lot of more car sales. I mean, there, there's different Absolutely. things that happen, right? Yes. So yeah. people hopefully spend a lot more money on the island, right, uh, as compensation increases. So I think going, in, it's our guess anyway, uh, as we go into 2024, we'll still be expanding uh, at a slower rate probably than 2023. Okay. It's still on a positive trajectory. And, and you talk about tourism, Jonathan. I'll move over to you now for tourism. We haven't spoken about that as yet. What's happening on the tourism sector? We've obviously had the exciting launch of Bermuda Air this year as well in the third, third fourth quarter. Uh, w- what can you give us as an update on, on air travel, tourism? Yeah, well, well, we seem to be getting more people, but uh, certainly more people than last year, but not as many people as 2019 pre-COVID. Okay. Um, but uh, the Bermuda Beach Resort is coming online in 2024 to help with some of that bed situation a, a little bit. But more importantly, obviously, the Fairmont-Southampton ground is, is apparently breaking there. Yes, certainly heard that. That's desperately, desperately needed. Uh, and that... That's quite a long-term project, wouldn't it be? We're talking about... Maybe five years? Am I being yeah, I don't, I don't pessimistic? Know. Does I don't, anyone no, know? Be, I, don't, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, I love to hear that it's progressing. It's okay. just, I just don't, I'm not as confident on the speed of that um, from talking to some people. But it's going ahead, 
which is very positive for Bermuda. Right? We needed that. I think some people kind of argued back and forth on the SDO. My personal opinion, I'm sorry, we, we have to do it. It's such a huge mm-hmm. part of the tourism uh, piece for Bermuda. Yes. It was It's fundamentally important for a lot of things. Jobs is a big thing. I love the fact that that airlift falls on that. Yes. I mean, there's so much ancillary businesses that support that hotel when it's up and running. It's It's a huge piece. Okay. Yeah, it's a critical part of the economy, and uh, I mean, it used to employ 800 people. And you think about what what difference that could make. Uh, it's it's huge in a, in a small community, and and of course, all the corporate travel, the groups that that used Conferences. to come. It's a, it's a probably the one that could host the biggest could, conference, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I think I've grilled you both enough today, <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you for final thoughts. I'll start with you, Jonathan. What are your Final thoughts and what could we expect, should we expect from 2024? Well, I mean, I agree with something that Patrick Tannock uh, said recently. He's the chairman of ABIC. And he said that the challenges and the opportunities have never been greater for Bermuda. And it's a, it's a simple statement, but when you think about it, uh, I think he's absolutely spot on. Okay. And I think that the, the challenges actually are the opportunities. You know, if we solve the housing crisis then it will create create economic growth if you and, and also bring in the working population increasing that number it also creates economic growth in itself and uh, i just what i'd love to see is is more collaboration and transparency on this i know i keep saying this but i really think that government can't do this on its own it can set the environment uh, but it would would help to to speak more openly with all the smart people in business who know their sectors and know what needs to be done and can be done realistically. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what I'd really love to see in 2024. Thank you, Jonathan. Nathan? Yeah, I, actually, I, I like a lot of Jonathan's ideas. So uh, a Bermuda National Housing Plan is probably part of that. I'd like to see a, a all-encompassing plan that goes through all, a lot of the numbers, um, it gets to the heart of what's happening in the housing market in a fully transparent uh, way. I think that that's really important because it's kind of the bottleneck now for a lot of this stuff. I want to see further discussions on the CIT, corporate income tax, see how that works in Bermuda. Again, it is a huge opportunity slash challenge that Bermuda could have. Okay. So let's we got to get that right. I mean, if we don't get that right, I... I, I I shudder to think, but I, I think we can get that right again because the collaboration from what I'm hearing is 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 excellent. So I like I like how that's developing. So those are the two big things I think that are going to happen in 2024, or that I'd like to see tackled, addressed fully uh, in 2024. Overall, I think we're we're doing pretty good in Bermuda, which okay. uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a good year. Fantastic. Well, I'd like to thank both my guests, Nathan Kowalski and Jonathan Kent, for this excellent discussion today. I'm Shivani Sait, and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.